Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cybersecurity Chronicles. I'm joined this week by Stanley Lee and Sean Mahoney of NetSwitch. Welcome to you both, gentlemen. Hi, James. Hey, James. Good to be back for another episode. So we were talking just before we started to record this episode about what we're going to talk about today, and there, there was one topic that was above all else that we felt was worth discussing, and that is ransomware, the cost beyond your payment. So, Sean, would you like to tell us why this topic is the topic of the week uh, in the industry, frankly, and, and so why we're talking about it today? Ransomware always seems to be the top of the topic of the week in the industry. <laughs> um, recently, uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago now, the U.S. Department of Treasury put out a notice uh, reinforcing the uh, sort of the the director from the Office of Foreign Asset Control about ransomware payments from U.S. companies, that uh, payment or facilitation of a payment to attackers for a ransomware attack could violate uh, U.S. regulations. And this sort of comes on the heels of the Garmin attack uh, where they had a ransomware attack and they were shut down for a period of time. And the payment from them was not directly from them, primarily because of the relationship that they have with the U.S. federal government, the DOD and the FAA. Someone facilitated the payment. Um, and it, it's often that some the, the cyber insurance companies, the insurance companies themselves, will facilitate payments or they'll negotiate with the attackers. And uh, so this is important to big companies. There's no direct uh, law enforcement from this advisory. It's a notice that these things are taken under review and they are tracked. But they take the view that you are facilitating a, a foreign criminal enterprise by funding their operations, which allow them to buy greater and better tools for the next attack that they perform, whether that's on you or someone else. And so the way to stop that is to not pay and fund their operations. The other thing that we're seeing is a growing uh, interest in uh, companies that are publicly traded or publicly invested in uh, for ESG, environmental and social governance, corporate governance and how they score in that area. There are investors that make their decisions based upon how companies score in those areas. And one of the social responsibilities is protecting customers' personal identifiable information or personal credit information because consumers trust the people they do business with, buy things from, that they will take care of information that could be used to harm them. And so as... Consumers are starting to pay more attention to some of these things as borne out in a recent study from the Canadian Internet Registry Agency that 90% of consumers would consider doing business with another company if the company they were working with had been breached and exposed their personal information. That's a pretty staggering number for a small and mid-sized business that when it's easy for a consumer to go from you to someone else, uh, that's that's a high cost to bear. Uh, if you're a big, big company, like we've seen some of them that have been breached, and the alternatives to go somewhere else are few or none, there's little risk. And so there's other, other ways that uh, those are dealt with. And then finally, you know, companies are 
now having to look at a variety of things as to how they protect themselves. The other is the ethical. You know, a hospital gets breached and a surgery or a life saving. And we saw this recently where a patient was have was had to be rerouted from one hospital they were going to in an ambulance to another hospital further away, and they died en route to the new hospital. Uh, during the target hospital was it shut down essentially; they couldn't do anything because they had a ransomware attack, and so. Those types of things are ethical decisions with hospitals. Do we pay to save a life? And many times those are going to be be yes. Uh, most people are going to say yes, pay the ransomware to save a life. So it's it's never an easy decision. There are just so many costs to understand uh, when you're making these decisions. And really anybody that is information and risk management is going to tell you it may be better just to be paying the the for the cybersecurity tools and services to make sure that your systems are secure as possible. And cybersecurity specialists are going to tell you the best protection is to have the great good defenses in place, practice good cyber hygiene, and have proper disaster recovery and incident response plans in place so that if you have a ransomware attack, just restore the backups. You don't need to worry about what was encrypted and just wipe everything and restore the backups. And so, you know, it's, it's things that companies need to think about, uh, things that uh, small and mid-sized businesses in particular need to consider because there's so much more at risk for them. Not only do they have the, the day-in, day-out risks of not necessarily having the greatest security things in place, uh, but the risk to them, if something were to happen, the risk of losing consumers' trust and them going somewhere else. Now you have the government watching over your shoulder and what are you doing and how are you doing this? So there's so many other threats beyond just the the risk of having uh, a ransomware attack and the cost to your business. The payment for the insurance of having the proper services or security tools in place is not nearly as burdensome as some people might think. Well, what I find particularly interesting on this is what, what data have you seen in research about the percentage of companies that do pay ransomware demands versus do not? Because, I mean, I've, I've seen recently there was a, a Hiscox report re- re- responding, over 5,500 responders in, in, in Europe and the US, that uh, said that more than, more than 6% of respondents had previously paid ransoms, equated to more than $380 million in profits with mm-hmm. attackers. And right. in addition, 350 firms, 16% reported paying ransoms off the back of a malware or a ransomware attack. So at least, you know, one in six companies in that survey said they've done it. And I've seen other surveys that, that, where that number is higher. So the, is that the norm? More, more people seem to pay up than not pay up in many cases. Yeah, they, they do seem to pay up. And even the... The numbers out of the U.S. government from the FBI and tracking those sort of things that people are paying, and that's only in the reported cases. The number of attacks and incidents that happen and companies never report it because they don't want to face the embarrassment or they are already embarrassed uh, that they had this happen, Um, but they don't even report this. So the figures are estimated to be significantly higher than those that were seen in the reports and that were seen in these surveys. 
And even in these anonymous surveys, people are still hesitant to actually respond honestly about this stuff because they're always concerned their online surveys is concerned this stuff is being tracked back by IPs or things like that. So, yeah. And the, the other issue is the number of uh, attackers that remain or the software, the malicious code remains in a network somewhere hidden and comes back at some point later. And some of these tools we saw a couple of years ago with the banking Trojan, the polymorphic Motet, that they're now designed to re recode themselves and hide themselves to execute at a later date and attack again. So you have this persistent threat that stays within a network for a long period of time. And unfortunately, it used to, it had been, and the and the FBI was talking about this is that it was that attackers would be in a network and they would find everything of value within the network and their departure gift for you was the ransomware. They would lock everything up on their way out the door just to get some cash out of you as after they took everything else that they wanted. And they had been in the network for, you know, eight, nine months without being detected. And on the way out the door, they launched the ransomware today. The attacks are coming in straight up ransomware. It's faster, it's easier, it's cheaper for them. They get the cash and that's all they really want. Which is why I've said before on earlier podcasts, people tell us, well, I do this. Uh, you know, I'm a trucking company and I move stuff from this port to this customer here. I'm not, I'm not a, a target from ransomware attack. Well, true, you may not have data that's valuable, but you play a role in a supply chain between companies who may be targets. And at the end of the day, you have cash. And if I'm holding you up in the back alley, all I want is your cash. I want your credit cards and cash. Forget whatever else you have in life. And so that's what the attackers are really looking for. So uh, it, it still remains a big threat for small and mid-sized businesses. Yeah, it's stuck in my mind. I was reading an article on, on Wired about it saying uh, that researchers figured how to put ransomware on a coffee maker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That might bring it home, right? You, you, <laughs> so you're your coffee maker sat in the corner. Well, like I said earlier, there are ethical decisions to make, and, and getting coffee in the morning may be one of those that I'm willing to pay the ransom for. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the other thing, I mean, in, in my world in, on the marketing side, um, so if you're an owner of a company and you do any advertising with a platform like Facebook, for example, huge advertising platform. Most organizations that are smart are moving their media buying away from kind of monolithic old media platforms like TV and newspapers, and they're moving it online because you can get the same demographics a fraction of the cost and, and a lot more. And um, Facebook accounts are, are being hacked into all the time. I mean, I see it all the time in, in, in my network where, where this is happening. And, uh, and so they'll take over your account and they'll spend your credit card and you're locked out of the account. You can't even turn the credit card off, right? Because you can't get through to anybody. So, so, so um, there are all kinds of ways that, that people want to get access to your accounts and take over your coffee makers and, and do all kinds of things. So... Um, so the threat is only getting greater, and now the, the the easy solution of just paying the ransomware is not, guess what, it's not as easy as it was before, seemingly. Right, and there is a growing number of uh, states, and uh, because the federal government in the U.S. Is, has lagged in having a national 
standard as far as laws and what should be done in regards to information security. And so that has left the states to come up with their own laws. New York has theirs. California has theirs. And New York is related to doing businesses doing business in New York. California relates to California residents' personal information. But you have other states that are starting to really kind of push these things. Uh, Wisconsin was looking at one recently with businesses and and having cyber incidents was going to cost a considerable amount of money. Now, that legislation went down in defeat. But I think primarily because some of the some of the penalties were were incredibly excessive. But these laws are starting to come through at the state level, and so companies, even if you're a, a business that does business only in the state that you reside, you they need to be paying attention to what's coming along in those states. Um, and many times these things are sort of quiet because people don't really understand uh, what's required, but they're important in in what the way that they're coming about and so it's it's either we're going to have in the u.s we're going to have 50 different laws each one having their own little flavor in this country uh or the federal government's going to really have to to get focused on doing this is is at the house and the uh, senate levels they're going to need to focus on getting the legislation done properly and so that there are proper rules and laws in place and that are enforceable equally across the country as opposed to each state having their own way of doing things. So, Well, so here's the thing. So there's actually good news here, isn't there? So it sounds like there's doom and gloom, but Stanley, isn't it true to say that the technology these days is now so much easier, more cost-effective to be able to implement to avoid the need to have to pay uh, ransomware to attackers? Is that a fair statement? Yes, it's absolutely it's a fair statement as we have seen over the years in like pen tests, you know, it's a point in case in time that we have been rolling out the pen test because the software is available and it lowered the cost overall comparing to doing it manually. So and then we see that trend all the time, but a lot of times it's just which tool to use in and does it really solve my problem you know as a business and that posed a lot of challenges for sme that they have to spend the effort and time to you know look for the right tool and then to learn about the tools and all that kind of things that increase the cost so sometimes that they might just say forget it because it's easier just to pay the ransomware than going through the whole process and but overall the cost has come down drastically and we actually you know providing some of the open source solution for our client to try to lower the total cost of ownership in terms of the whole security and op- IT operation management aspect of thing and then we tie that into the risk controls of um, the government uh, the governance risk and compliance issue Sean? Yeah. So the the simple ways have so much automation for speed of response to protect an organization. And there are additional tools for large organizations where some automation and the need for security engineers is there, but the automation is really used for the speed of the response as opposed to having a human uh, be notified and then get back to it. So allowing the machines for that automation really can protect an organization 
fairly effectively against some of these ransomware attacks to start shutting things down or or protect them in the initial attack. Wonderful. Well, it's good to end on. I think we should end on the uplifting note. Yeah, and there also are- one other things is also that we need to say is, is make sure you have the backup. You know, that's the cheapest way uh-huh. to basically try to mitigate this type of problem and make sure you test the backup. And and now, James, you talk about the cost of the tools or. And that's one of the cheapest way to making sure now with the cloud storage and things like that. So make sure you have a set of backup that is always available. And now we advise our client not only have one set of backup, but three or even four sets of backup, you know, with the high availabilities and warm standby and cold standby <laughs> because the costs have come down drastically. And, you know, it doesn't cost you less than $100. You can buy a USB external hard drive to back it up. And that will, you know, that would be a life-saving uh, uh, proposition. Uh, well, that's, that's, it's amazing how easy the solution is, right? So, so uh, I remember, uh, I, I always remember seeing one of these uh, memes about the cybersecurity budgets pre and post <laughs> being attacked. Being, 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 before it's attacked, it's this tiny little, minute little breadcrumb. After it's attacked, it's this big, big elephant sized um, feast, right? So that's the, that's the difference on budgets. But it doesn't have to cost a lot to protect yourself against these risks, which no, is, it which, doesn't. That's which correct. is the good news. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about how, where, where should they start? Uh, how typically would you would clients engage with you uh, if they're interested in finding out more about how, how they can protect themselves? Well, they should be listening to our podcast because we talk about so many different <laughs> topics. Uh, but they could also come to netswitch.net, uh, read some things there, connect with us, uh, reach out to us, give us your content information. We'd be happy to have a conversation with you to talk about how we can help you um, and, and many times we just have conversations with people. Uh, as Stanley said, there are open source tools out there. If you have the resources to operate those, they're free. Um, if you just want some advice, we're happy to give it to you. Um, and if you actually need our services, we have those to fit a lot of different budgets. We have ways of doing that. So, Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, Sean and Stanley. Um, a very important topic once again. Uh, I think we covered some some important areas of the discussion around ransomware. So thanks for your time today and uh, look forward to speaking with you on the next episode. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. Bye.